You're listening to a message from Victory Dumaguete. We are in the middle or in the second installment of our current series called Seed Time and Harvest. So, so judging palang sa title and all of that, you could say you know, that this is basically our finance series. If you've been with us for the longest time, you'd know that at least once a year, we take time to talk about faith and finances. Alright, now before we get to the topic today, just a quick recap of what this is all about. And what we discussed or what we talked about last week, basically this series is all about knowing and seeing the heart of God to provide for our needs, resulting in faith that comes out of us because we see that God is faithful and He's the source of our provision. And last week when we started this series, you know, we talked about that man is created in God's image. You guys remember that? When we started this series, we learned from Pastor Archie that if we want to talk about provision, we need to you know, start at the very beginning, creation. And we learned on that installment that man is created in God's image. And part of the implications of being created in God's image is that as image bearers, we receive God's provision. We were created in God's image. We were given a task to do, to have dominion over the earth. And part of our task, or to accomplish those things, being image bearers of God, we receive God's provision. We can know and we can rest assured that there is provision that comes being image bearers of God. Now today, we continue with that. As we talk about provision and faith in finance today, we continue in the story of creation. Not in Genesis 2 and 3, but we're going to talk about Noah, basically. The story of Noah, you guys are familiar with that. Can you read your Bibles to Genesis chapter 8, verse 20 to 22? So we'll first look at Genesis chapter 8. And later on, we'll talk about some verses in Genesis chapter 9. Firstly, I'll read at verses 20 to 22. And later on, I'll read verses 1 to 3 and verses 7 to 13 of chapter 9. All right, so this will be our main passage. It says here, When Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Chapter 9. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The, the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea, in your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I gave you everything. In verse 7, And you be fruitful and multiply. Increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offsprings after you. And with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth. With you as many as came out of the ark, it is for every beast of the earth, I establish my covenant with you, but never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you. For all future generations, I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and and the earth. As I mentioned, we're in the story of Noah. Okay, now, before I get to the story, I didn't get to mention this a while ago. Since we're talking about faith and finances, we're talking about provision, 
this is really part of the preaching, but I want to say this as well. When it comes to understanding God's provision, there are basically you know, two extremes we need to avoid. Two pendulum swings, if you will, that we need to avoid and make sure we have a biblical understanding of provision. And those two extremes or pendulum swings are one, prosperity gospel. The thinking or the theology that, you know, you follow Jesus, you'll get these things. You simply follow Jesus, all be well with you. You'll get money, you'll get all these blessings, you'll get all of this stuff. Yes, there are blessings, man, being believers of Christ. But there's no assurance in the Bible now. If you follow Jesus, all will be well. No problems na. Hakuna matata na. Basta kristyano ka, di na ka problema money and all of that. If you look at the Bible, if you look at the early church, they experienced hardships, difficulties, challenges. Some of them died. Some of them were imprisoned simply by following and claiming to be a follower of Christ. On the other extreme naman that we need to avoid is poverty gospel. ng material things. The weight on the Lord is dapat publiko. Dapat wala any material possessions. Now, the Bible doesn't say, now, of course, it's wrong to flaunt our wealth or to abuse our wealth. It's wrong to be materialistic naman or to be worldly, to be consumed with worldly wealth. That's wrong naman. But the Bible doesn't prohibit us from believing things from God, from asking things from God. So we shouldn't have it in our minds na the poorer I am, the closer to God I am. Or the poorer I am, the more holy ko. We are to avoid those two extremes to have a sound understanding of God's provision. Alright? Are we clear with that? Let's go to the story once again. Now, just a quick overview of Noah's story in case we forgot. I know when we were younger, perhaps we're familiar with this story. What happened in Genesis chapter 6 is that at a certain point in the history of mankind, the wickedness, the sinfulness of mankind was such that God decided to wipe out creation with a flood. There can be no understating the, the wickedness of man at this time. For God to say that I'm going to wipe out creation it gives you the picture that gravity should be evil and mankind at this time. Alright? I want us to get that if you revisit or read Genesis chapter 6. Now, he spared Noah naman and his family and generally, two of every animal. Birds, land animals, and creeping things. So he told Noah, build an ark. Are you familiar with the story? Noah, there's going to be a great flood. You, your family, your sons, their wives, their families will be there in the ark. You're to take two of every living animal. Birds, land animals, creeping things, I guess mga insects and whatever creeps in the ground. Those things are to be spared, basically. Right? And he told them to bring every food that is eaten as well. And it rained for several days. Okay, When the time came for the heavy rains and the flood to arrive, it rained for several days. And Noah and his family stayed in the ark for about a full year, around a year's time, some scholars say. So that's the general story of Noah. Now our story for the day takes place right after the signal has been given to Noah na mugawas na ark. Remember with the story, after the rain ceased and there was now just, you know, high levels of water, wala tayo ni gawas in Noah's ark. It wasn't like, alright, no more rains, let's get out na. No, they waited for several days, in fact, months pa, in the ark. Noah sent out birds to see if there was dry ground na until at one point, nanajod. Until finally, God told him and his family, get off the ark. You, your family, and every animal that is with you in the ark. And here we have that in Genesis chapter 8. Imagine this. You are Noah. You're a part of his family. You're in the ark. You've been allowed to set foot out of the ark. Now you're entering a new world, a new state of the world, basically. As we talk about provision, notice that this is the situation that Noah was in. It wasn't a paradise at this point. Unlike Adam, when Adam was created, he opened his eyes. He saw what? He saw paradise. He saw a bountiful field, a garden, 
Everything was provided for. Everything was okay. The presence of God was there. For Noah, his family, and all these animals, as they set foot out of the ark, it's not a paradise. If you've ever been to places that have flood, and I know as Filipinos, diba, we're familiar with floods. We encounter that almost every year. We know what it looks like to see places that flooded. Diba? It's not a paradise. It's not but pretty much, parang barren wasteland ang makita ni mo. The trees would be destroyed, the fields would be destroyed, and all of these things. That's the situation that Noah and his family found themselves in. Not a paradise when they set foot out of the earth. I have that background in mind as we talk about God and provision. There's three things I want to highlight today as we talk about provision, everyone. And the first is, God is faithful to His promises. If we want to talk about provision, we need to talk about the provider. We need to understand what kind of provider God is. And I want us to understand this. He is faithful to His promises. As simple as that statement is, it's greatly important. Because we need to settle and embrace in our hearts basically that truth that God is faithful. You want to not be anxious about provision. You want to be able to trust the Lord to embrace the truth that He is faithful. And today I want to show you that as we look at these verses. Firstly, in verse 21 of chapter 8, it says here, when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma of Abraham's sacrifice, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intentions of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. So God promised to never again destroy the earth with the flood. Now, of course, don't get me wrong, floods have happened throughout history, uncountable. But never to the degree that experience in Noah, it was deliberately done to wipe out creation. God promised that He would never do that again. Now to qualify as well, we must understand that while God promised not to bring a flood of water to destroy creation, there is still, basically, in the far future, a judgment day, if you will, that would destroy creation. A flood of flames that will destroy those who will continue in their unbelief despite given many opportunities to repent and believe in His salvation. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 14 to 15, it says here, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Quick segue lang, just to clarify. Yes, well, a great flood, a natural cause, to destroy creation. But in the far future, at Jesus' second coming, there will be a judgment day, if you will. All those who continue with their unbelief, will be thrown in that lake of fire, will be thrown in that flood of flames, if you will. Alright? Now, going back to the main point, this is what I want us to understand. God promised. He told Noah, He promised that He would not destroy the earth with a flood. Now, I know many of us here today have experienced prom- broken promises. Have you experienced broken promises? I don't know what kind of promises. Perhaps it could be as simple as the all-time favorite, by promise, magjagin taog ma, 5 a.m. Or whatever promises. For some, more heavy, more serious. For some, kanang simpleng sad lang. Oh, okay, outing ta, plano ta. Oh, yun ang inyong sabot. As simple as those things. When you think about promises, perhaps for us, medyo maba ang paglantaw nato. We don't think highly of it. Because we've all experienced broken promises. Whether from our friends, from certain people, siguro na, na hurt mo, na may order sa Shopee, lahi nung nakita, ang nabot, lahi. Na-break ang trust ninyo sa seller or something. We've all experienced broken promises. But here, I want us to understand that it is God who's making the promise to Noah. And there's a world of difference between God making the promise and us making promises. 
What do you mean by that? God could have simply ended it here. He could have just told Noah, all right, Noah, promise, I won't do this flood again. He could have just simply ended there, being God. But God took it, you know, a step further pa. In verse 9 of chapter 9, he says, Behold, I establish my covenant with you, your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you. He level up ni God ang promise niya. He says, I establish my covenant with you. Now, if you've been attending our services for a while now, you would know this word covenant. You've heard of this word covenant a few times before in our, in our, in our worship services. Just a quick refresher for everyone. Covenant, generally speaking, is a promise between two or more parties to perform certain actions. In our modern day language, the closest I can relate to is, you know, like a contract, an agreement. For those of you who are into business, if you want to partner with someone, enter business with someone, a contract is made. You want to buy something, they contrata. One party with the other, and they sign it together. In their time, they have what they call covenants. Sacred, binding agreements. And here's the thing about covenants. They are taken very seriously. Unlike us, when it comes to certain agreements, kasi doon nakasulay. Parang sa internet gani, or sa phone ninyo, I agree to the terms and conditions. Pero wala niyo mag-ibasa, Jude. Para mahuman na. You don't really take it seriously. Wala niyo mag-ibasa. You didn't even read it line for line. But in their time, their culture, they take covenants, these agreements, heavily seriously. And for God to do so, God nagaya na, and He made a covenant pa, it means that He's putting weight to His words. Now just for us to get a picture of how serious covenants are, let me show you another example of a covenant in the Bible. Genesis 15, this is between God and Abraham. If you remember, God called Abraham and He made certain promises to Abraham. Alright Abraham, come follow me or come to this place and I promise you will be a great nation. You will have a land. You have these things. He promised several things to Abraham. And Abraham at a certain point, because God told him, you will become a great nation or you will have many descendants. But at this point, Abraham was childless. So he was like, Lord, how can I be sure that what you promised to me, I will get? Also, assurance na ako. Home you here, may pagkasigurista mo. You are ganang sure na sure. If you want to buy something, twice, twice, balikan pa ni mo, mag-research pa ka, kung sure ba dyan yung seller or kanyang product, kanyang sigurista. You're like that? Well, si Abraham, maginana yung attitude at this point. Lord, how can I know that I'm going to receive what you promised to me? And God, this is what God did. He made a covenant with Abraham. Or at this point, Abraham by the name. In verse 9 to 10, says here, He, God, said to him, Bring me a heifer, three years old, a female goat, three years old, and a ram, three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Now, it seems like a long list of groceries to buy. Karni, ramani, Lord, there's importance to this. In verse 10, it says here, And he brought him all these, and Abraham cut them in half, laid each half over against the other. And in verse 17 to 18, it says here, When the sun had gone down, and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. What's happening here? This is how they did covenants back then. This is to show the seriousness the weight of making a covenant and agreement with someone. What Abraham did was he took these animals, this male bull, basically the ram and the turtle dove, he cut them for sake of simplicity. Imagine he cut them in half. He laid one part on one side, another and another side. So imagine with you, you know, 
a bloody wedding aisle, if you will. Okay? Instead of flowers, by the aisle, so wedding, you have animal parts there. Nadyang ulo, nadyang other parts animal. I'm sorry for being morbid. But that's what happened there. And what happened here is that God passed through those animals. Why? Kung kita karon, if we want to make an agreement with someone and we put it into writing, what do we do? We sign. Diba? Put our thumbprints, whatever, verified by a lawyer or something. Basically, we put our signature to put into writing that more than just your word, you're writing that you agree to these terms and conditions. And you're held accountable to that for your part of the agreement. For God, He could have just told Noah and Abraham at this point, promise lang, just remember my word. But God elevated this promise by making a covenant with these people. He put it into writing. He didn't need to do it, but he made a covenant nonetheless with Abraham. And here's the seriousness with it. When people pass through those animals, they're basically declaring that what happened to these animals, if I break my part, what happened to them, may it happen to me as well. May the bloodshed that happened to them happen to me if I break my part of the covenant. Can you imagine having that mindset if you enter into agreement with someone by promise, dragging Taogma at 5 a.m.? You see these animals, covenant, making agreement. And guess what? With Noah's and Abraham's covenant, at this point of the covenants, there was nothing expected of Noah and Abraham. When God made a covenant with Noah, it wasn't like, all right, Noah, this is my promise. I will not send a flood to destroy the world anymore. What about you? What will you promise in return, naman, Noah? Do you promise not to do this, not to do that? There was no such thing mentioned. What's amazing about this covenant in Noah was that it was an unconditional covenant. God knows with his omniscience. He knows that man is sinful, man is wicked. He even says in verse 21, I will not send a flood for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. God knows and sees evil during mankind. Yet he still promised not to send a flood to destroy us. It wasn't like, ah, Mankind, I know I promised before, but evil na puts after several hundreds of years, let's say, give and take. Ako nang akong promise. No. With this unconditional covenant, what's amazing here is that it does not depend upon anything Noah or his descendants had to do to fulfill the covenant. The promise is based upon God's faithfulness alone. Neither the wickedness nor the righteousness of mankind affects this unconditional covenant. Meaning, wala tayong bagani ang covenant. God's decision to uphold this covenant was not like, alright, daganang faithful, daganang righteous, the game, I'll keep my covenant all the more. No. The basis was solely on His faithfulness alone. And to this day, we are grateful to God or we should be grateful to God for His faithfulness. Kaya wala tayong mabuhat to say, ay Lord, dapat lang, no flood because of what I did. Lord, because of what my church has been doing. That's why there should be no flood sent. No. Nothing we do will change that. It's solely based on the faithfulness of God. There is no condition under which God will take back His promise. That's how amazing the faithfulness of God is. Just to add further pa, as we talk about the faithfulness of God, He even sealed it with a rainbow. Yung covenant niya. In our case, we signed documents. For God, He says, I have set my bow upon the cloud. So that every time, of course, God doesn't need remembering. He is God. He's not forgetful like us. But makita nato po ang seals of covenant God. Imagine that. Every time there's a rainbow, Noah, his descendants, and even us today can look at that and be reminded of the faithfulness of God. That mankind has not been destroyed 
by a flood like in Noah's time. Despite the sinfulness of man, despite the shortcomings of man, God continues to uphold His covenant. Add to that, in Genesis chapter 9, verse 1 and 7, there's an interesting phrase that God repeats. It says here in verse 1 of chapter 9, God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. In verse 7, he repeats that. Be fruitful and multiply. Now, doesn't that sound familiar? Last week, we went through it as well. When God created Adam and Eve, when He created man, He basically told them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, part of God's original commands for mankind, part of His covenant with Adam at this point in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28 is, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens. You see, remember, as image bearers, man was tasked to exercise dominion. Remember that? Part of our role as men, as stewards of his creation, was to fill the earth. And if we are to fill the earth, we are to be fruitful. We are to multiply. So we can, you know, glorify the earth because we are made in the image of God. Now God could have said, okay, ayun na lang na. Noah, kamu na lang ra. Okay, wicked kayang people. But he reiterated, he repeated, it's a regional you know, command to Adam. He repeated it to Noah here, be fruitful and multiply. But he repeated that, that same thing he told Adam when he created man in the first place. He's repeating it now to Noah, be fruitful and multiply. He still wants people to fill the earth, to have dominion over the earth and glorify his name. He is still faithful. And so if you look at this church, I want us to understand, if you look at these verses palang, I want us to understand, may this remind us of the faithfulness of God. If kita, willing tamo trust, willing tamo put our faith on certain companies, products, or people in our lives, those things, those things that are not perfect, those things can fail us. But here we have God, who is a perfect example of faithfulness, who will not fail in His faithfulness. God could have revoked this man, but he didn't. He kept his promise and reinstated it in his covenant with Noah. The second thing I want to understand, we talk about God and provision, is this. God is the source of our provision. He's the source. And that is important to note because, if we do not embrace the truth that he is faithful, if we are unable, unwilling to trust God and his faithfulness for our provision, what do we usually do? What's my usual batonato as human beings? What is our default nature, sinful nature? We would rely on ourselves. We would do this, we would do that. And we would think that because of me, because of our abilities, our resources, our smart thinking, that's why we were able to come up with this provision. That's why we provided for That's why we karon. Well, church, I want to remind all of us that the source behind all the sources nato. The source of our provision in the first place is God. And let me just emphasize that as we look at certain verses in this story, just how much of a provider God is. Yes, He is faithful to His promise, but He's also able to fulfill His promises. Verse 22 of chapter 8 says here, While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Right? God promised, firstly, He will not destroy the earth. And then, he basically gives this to them. God promised basically that there would be seasons in the earth. There would be day and night, summer, winter. There would be seasons. And why is that important? 
Seasons are important because for life to thrive, diba? anyone here into farming or knows farming or knows agriculture, if you're going to plant something, you have to take into account the importance of seasons. For example, if purura winter, diba? all of us Pinoys, we want to experience snow at one point, but if purura snow from January to December, there's not going to be much life. Likewise, if purapod summer, purapod init, magilinyo, play mo grow naman nga plants. But these cycles, okay, these seasons is what brings, is what enables life to happen, basically. In other words, you know what? God could have just left Noah and said, all right, Noah, the flood's done, figure out for yourself. Parang medyo pagka survivor mode ba? All right, figure out. You have whatever food, nabilinin mo sa ark. All right, it's up to you now. Figure it for yourself. Fend for yourselves. Start from scratch, basically. But God, by His grace, did not. He provided first these seasons for Noah and his descendants and for all of creation so that life would continue to thrive. Without the seasons, there would be no life. Not just that. In verse 2 to 3 of Genesis chapter 9, God told Noah, Here, the fear and dread of you shall be upon every beast. All right? And it says here, into your hand they are delivered. And verse 3, every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you green plants, I give you everything. What is God talking about here? God is basically giving Noah permission to eat meat. So for all of us here today who loves barbecue, who loves sangyupsal, who loves your burgers, hot dogs, pasalamatan ni si God Noah, okay, meat is on that menu. Meat is on the menu. Because if you think about it, because of the flood, yes, there would still be some plant life. Na may olive na tong dove. But it's not as abundant as before. Again, go bagyo. Again, go floods. So there needed to be food source for them to survive. Nilina enough ang nabilin nila sa ark or whatever plant life. So to eat meat was necessary, was needed. And God in His grace provided Noah for that, allowed him to eat that meat. I mean, God could have just said, oh, Noah, bawal na. Inhindered species na tanan sila. Hindi po can na sila. I mean, remember, there's generally two of every animal left and seven only of the ritually clean animals left. Seven pairs rather. Gabay na bilin. And God still allowed Noah and his family to eat of these animals. In other words, you see God providing, enabling them to live, to thrive, even in the situation of lack. Remember, they're in a state wherein it's not paradise. You can just get whatever you want. Dikag calamity si Noah and his family. And God, by His grace, is providing for them. Providing the seasons, providing for food for them to eat. Not just that. Talking about God being a provider, I want us to zoom back a little. If you look at this story as a whole, from the start yun si God and Noah, there's going to be a flood up until now, you would see just how much God has been providing for in this story. Look at this. God provided the flood, isn't it? Who brought the flood? Was it Noah? Was it people? No, God said there would be a flood. There would be these heavy rains, and it happened. No one else was able to make it possible. Only God did. God provided the animals. Have you ever asked, how did Noah bring the animals? Gusto niya nga pag, kuha sa lion nga, ay kanang sheep. Gamay rang sheep na bilin lion. Tiger, ayog layuga ang goat or something. How did he put these animals together? How did he catch the birds of the air? Have you tried catching birds? Tung bata mo? It's hard. <laughs> Have you tried catching insects? But how did Noah do all these things? God made it possible. He brought these animals to the ark. God provided the means for them to be saved. You know what? God could have simply wiped out Noah and his family. Yes, 
Noah was unlike the rest of the people. The Bible says that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So he must have been doing something right. And yet, Noah is not sinless. Noah is not perfect. And yet for God to give grace to Noah and his family and to save them and not all the other people, to allow them to be part of the ark, grabe ang provision ato, the means for them to be saved from the flood, God gave it to them. God could have simply chosen, okay, this ark for the animals lang ni. Ako instruct ang animals to make ark. Human beings, wala na mo. But Noah and his family were saved. And God provided a sign to seal the covenant, to remind them of his faithfulness. In other words, if you look at this story, it just highlights how much uh, faithful and how much capable si God mo provide. For us today, if you need proof, kumbaga, if you need to be reminded just how much of a provider God is, read this story. We read this story. Remember that it's God who gives us the ability to produce wealth. Let me just segue here very quickly. There's this story as well in the Bible. Moses, in his last moments, talking about God being our source, being our provider. Moses, in his last moments, before the Israelites would conquer the promised land, in the book of Deuteronomy, he admonished the Israelites and told them to remember the Lord. Before they would experience future wealth and prosperity in the promised land, he told them, don't forget God. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 11 to 14, he told them, take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments. So he told them, keep His commandments, remember the Lord, because when you have eaten and are full, when you have built good houses, when your herds and flocks multiply, when your silver and gold multiply, when all that you have is multiplied, in other words, if you don't obey God's commandments, if you don't remember the Lord, when you experience all of these blessings, all of these good things that will happen to you in the promised land, guess what? Your heart will be lifted up. Meaning, mayimong proud sila. And you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So Moses knew, come mo, okay? Sinners man mo, forgetful mo, if you forget the Lord, you will be proud. Mahambug mo. You will think na, ah, it is by your hand that you got this wealth, you got this prosperity. You will forget that it was God in the first place who brought you out of slavery, who rescued you, and who brought you into this promised land. He says in verse 18, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to get wealth. And it's the same thing with us today, church. Yes, it is you who applied for the job. Yes, you worked hard in your job. Yes, you started that business. You had a great idea. Yes, you worked hard, all of these things. But guess what? Who enabled you to get that job? Who gave you the idea for your business? Who gave you the favors to thrive in your business? Who gave you the customers who would buy your products and all those things? Who enable you to get favors, a company that you're working? Whether you're an entrepreneur, a businessman, you're working in the corporate, wherever you get your salary or your provision, guess what? The source behind the source of that is God. The one who gives us the ability to produce wealth is God. So far from it, church, that we think na, atungod din ako. Atungod din kay business-minded lagi ko. No, at the end of the day, our source is still God. You take God out of the picture, we would not have any provision. God is our provider. He enables us to have provision. With God being the owner of everything, our source of provision, there's also a great implication to these things because God is faithful because He's our source. He's our provider. There's, there's an important implication I want to highlight here today. And that is God's faithfulness is a call to worship Him. This is the first thing I want to highlight. 
God's faithfulness is a call to worship Him. What do I mean by that? The right response, or one of the greatest responses we should have, knowing that God is faithful, He can be trusted as our provider, is what? Is to worship Him. Look at Noah. Genesis chapter 8, verse 20. It says here, The Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings to the altar. Guess what? What's interesting here is that Noah's first response after getting off the ark was what? But usually when we travel, what do we do? Pag landing sa plane, what Picture man ta. IG story dan ta. For the gram. But what did Noah do? The first thing he did when God said, you can get out of the ark. When he get out of the ark, it says here, he built an altar for the Lord. And if you backtrack the verses, God did not command Noah per se to do this. God didn't say, you shall get out of the ark and build me an altar. But Noah, knowing and seeing God's greatness, knowing that they have just survived the flood by the grace of God, that they've been provided for being able to live once again, he decided what? To worship God. And how often do we do the church? How often do we respond in worship to the Lord knowing that He is faithful and worthy of our worship? Because of the flood, they didn't have much. So Noah, he didn't have much. Whatever is left of them, what they had, because of the flood. And I like what one comments a Bible or scholar said, you know what, Noah, he risked extinction of certain animals, if you think about it. Because there's only a handful of animals left. But the Bible says that he took some of every clean animal. There were seven pairs of every clean animal. And he took some of every clean animal. And there's more like, if you were... But Noah saw beyond the lack, beyond whatever they had, knowing that God was worthy of the sacrifice. He offered up this very costly offering. Costly siya, kasi gamay na endangered species yung offer niya kang God. And because of that, because of his sacrifice, what does it say there? In verse 21 says here, and when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. And what does this mean for us? What it says here is that God saw Noah's heart to worship him. Of course, God was not pleased per se because humot barbecue ang ni Noah. But what God is commending here is Noah's heart to sacrifice. That with the very first things that he had coming from a flood, he chose to honor the Lord. What's amazing with Noah's worship, Kang Lord, here is that he didn't just worship the Lord with songs, with praise, with words, but he worshiped the Lord with what he had. And that's one thing important to take note, church. It's one thing to claim and say, God, Lord, faithful is the Lord, provider is the Lord. But it's another thing to say it by honoring the Lord with our wealth, by honoring the Lord with what we have. Especially when we choose to worship the Lord with our giving, with our wealth, in moments of lack. In times of abundance, it's so easy to say, Ah, provider is the Lord, faithful is the Lord. But church, are we able to still say that with conviction, with confidence? When we are in the midst of lack, like what Noah is experiencing, will we still choose to honor the Lord, worship the Lord with our wealth, with our giving, even in those moments? For Noah, even with whatever he had left, he prioritized God. He worshiped the Lord with his possessions. 
and from this church, likewise, may we set in our hearts to choose to honor and worship the Lord with our wealth. As we talk about God and provision, if we truly embrace the truth that God is faithful, He's the source of provision. If Shaman Ganyan source, then we would think, Lord, gamay na lang na, Lord. Remember, Shang source. I mean, if you think about it, yes, costly ang in Noah, pwede mahurut ang animals, but do you think God could have made more creatures? Was it beyond God's powers to repopulate the animals? Was it beyond God's powers? By no means. Remember, how did He create creation in the first place? He spoke things into being. Those things you offer in Noah, wala lang ni God, kung mahurot mo tong Noah o sacrifice sanan, pwede ito niya i-repopulate also. Knowing that He is the source. And what sometimes, we can have that mindset, Lord, gamay lang naang. If we do not have in our minds that He is faithful, He is the source of our provision, we would think na, Lord, gamay lang. Mura ni naa Because, gikandri or, laya tong gifink na source. But if we know that God is the, our source, even with the little that we have, we wouldn't be anxious. We wouldn't be worried. We wouldn't be stingy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you don't exercise wisdom with your finances. But far from it that we become stingy and not be willing to you know, be generous and honor the Lord with our wealth because Lord, gamay lang. Well, if gamay lang na sa sugod, might as well honor the Lord with what you have. Gamay man kiapon. If we know in our hearts, if we truly believe that God is faithful and a provider, we wouldn't be anxious, we wouldn't be worried. You would have peace in your hearts. It's kind of like this. Have you ever had lunch? family parents For those of you who are younger, especially, diba? There's a difference between ikaw lang, mukaon, versus mama papa I remember a student, it's like, nag order pagkaon, take out me sa Jollibee. It's like, champ yung order. Like, wow, champ yung order. Oh, yeah. Because it's my sister's money. It's like confidence siya, kaya ni provided for. Hindi ko mag-worry. Kaya ako mga ate mo, provide na ako. The same thing with us. If we are confident in the Lord, we wouldn't be worried and anxious. I am not saying that the provision will come in an instant. I'm not treating God as like some ATM machine or some genie. Nga. Lord, I need this. Pang! Nakulog ang provision from the skies. It could come in a different way that we're expecting. It could come and not in the exact time that we're expecting. But the point I want to emphasize, church, is faithful to the Lord. And He can and will provide for our needs. And we should not be anxious or worried. And to just to end, just to wrap up, basically, if Noah and, and all of creation at that time, they had this sign, this rainbow, to remind them of God's faithfulness. To this day, we are benefits of that. If you are here today and you are, you feel like your faith is like in the ICU, nasa ICU room imong faith, kailangan ng defibrillator ang faith nimo, kailangan i-resuscitate ang faith nimo, kailangan ng reminder, Tom, how can I trust in the Lord? If you are still in need of proof, if you will, that God is faithful and capable to provide, there is a greater sign, if you will, to seal an even greater covenant that God has with us today. If you're a believer, you're a follower of Christ, you are recipients of a greater covenant than Abraham and Noah. And that is the new covenant. And of course, I'm speaking none other than the cross of Christ. What Jesus did for us on the cross, 
is the sign basically that we need as proof of God's faithfulness. Him being a provider, Him exercising His grace and mercy in us. If you want a certain proof, if you will, to revitalize, revive your faith, look no further than the cross of Christ. Because if Noah offered up a very costly sacrifice, guess what? Mas grabe pang ni God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2 says here, And walk in love as Christ loved us, and gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Jesus didn't just give a sacrifice for us, for this covenant. He became that sacrifice. He became that offering, that fragrant offering, that one last final offering to pay the penalty for our sins. So that we may receive forgiveness of our sins. John 2.16 says, For God's love the world that He gave His what? His only Son. Just to clarify, that not biological son, but someone who's the same nature as God, Jesus. Only He could fulfill what was needed to pay the penalty for our sins. Kanang one and only. If you have something one and only, diba? Hesitant ka muha tagana. If you only have that one thing with you. Yet God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son. And whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. In other words, if you look at the cross, if God can assure us of our eternity, then how much more of the things that are temporary? Think about that. If He could guarantee something that no one else could guarantee, your eternity, something of eternal weight and value, how much more the temporal things of this world? That is why, church, God deserves, or that is why we ought to trust in the Lord. And for some of us here today, perhaps we need to repent of our disbelief, of our doubts, of our worries and fears of trusting in God. We need to remind ourselves, Lord, God, Lord, you are worthy of our trust. Because Lord, you are faithful. Unlike anything else in this world, you never fail, Lord. And some of us here today, I believe we need to do that. Because God is faithful and is the source of our provision. You just heard a message from Victory Dumaguete. For more messages like these, or to access other resources, please visit victorydumaguete.org or like our page on Facebook.